Welcome, Faith Family. We're doing yet another sermon panel from Kyle's very uh, powerful sermon uh, from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the first 15 verses. So we'll go ahead and start out with one of our uh, gimme questions here that uh, kind of get the, the, uh, the pump primed here. How is this sermon uh, encouraging or challenging? Go ahead, Matt. Um, so the, the thing that I loved uh, about the way Kyle did this is he approached it uh, expositionally. So you could go in all kinds of crazy directions with this passage because, as he said, he read it, you know, he read it Monday to Thursday and could not figure out exactly what Solomon was trying to say when he wrote this. And so he just laid it out, you know, verse by verse, said this is what, you know, this is the best we can do as far as understanding what this means. We, we expose each piece of it and then try to see how it all um, fits together. And the thing that, that stood out to me the most about his exposition um, was how he tied together how all of the seasons are necessary and they, um, they, they feed off of one another. So you need, uh, you need the winter to understand the summer. You need the winter in order to, to maintain, uh, to be humble during the summer. And you need the summer to store up mm. for the winter. I just loved how he, he broke yeah. that down. There's a purpose in every season. Not that they're all as much fun to go through, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Kent, how are you encouraged or uh, challenged by this passage? So as the resident old guy in this group here. <laughs> I'm um, so glad to have you around, Kent, so I'm not I, the old guy. I know. Um, the older you get, the more seasons you go through. And, you know, I can kind of think back into my early 20s where life was always, you know, just summer. Everything was, was hunky-dory. I didn't have a lot of the challenges. And it seemed like the older I got, the more I was exposed to different seasons and, and kind of realizing that. So it was just such a blessing to hear that and to realize that, the seasons that I've gone through that I'm not alone. And, and one of the comments that Kyle made opening up, matter of fact, in his opening prayer, is he said that 3,000 years before our season in life, God wrote the words that we needed to hear. Mm. And so there's that, that eternal truth of God's word that has just as much application for me today as it did to the audience that it was written to back in the Old Testament times. Um, and then additionally, what I really appreciated was in his application points, he said that you must experience every season to bear gospel fruit. And, and the reality is, is, is bearing gospel fruit is not only part of that sanctification process in our life and living in our life in a, in a manner that glorifies God, but also to, to bring that gospel message to the lost world around us. And, mm -hmm. and how are we supposed to relate with people if we have not lived through those same seasons that they're living through? I mean, if you're going to bring the gospel message of, of redemption and salvation through Jesus Christ, it kind of helps that you have a little bit of experiential knowledge mm -hmm. of the struggles that everybody in the world is going, th uh, going through around you. So it just helps to, to really relate on a personal one-on-one -on -one level that you understand and you have heard that gospel truth that can help them as well in their situation. Lastly, one of his comments that he made that was just so profound is he said that, that Jesus faced the ultimate winter on your behalf. Mm -hmm. uh, you can put that on a, on a, on a, on a mm -hmm. postcard, on a sticker. That's just great because he, he faced the wrath of God for yes. me. Substitution even there. Yes. Um, one of the things that just was so encouraging to me, particularly about this sermon, but also just through the whole series through Ecclesiastes, is it's, it's he kind of gave us permission to feel the full spectrum of human emotions. Yes. It's okay to not be okay. Um, uh, one of the reasons I, I love Shakespeare, I'm a bit of a geek in that, is because I, no. I, he, next to the Bible, I feel like he covers the full range of humanity and its, its disappointments and its tragedies, its treacheries, its, its silliness, its, uh, its, its beauty as well. 
Um, it's, it's okay not to be okay. And of course, you know, mental illness, depression is real. We, we want to take that seriously. But as we go through our lives and we find downtime, seasons of uh, discontentment or, or sorrow, it's okay to, 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 to lean in and feel that, uh, realizing that uh, within Christ, even that has purpose, it has meaning. Mm -hmm. And that in itself can be a comfort. I know as Kyle and I were discussing today's, this passage a little bit throughout the week, uh, you know, that, that, is, that is the thing. Sometimes we're so quick to like, and it's understandable that when we're in difficult situations or we're, we're just overcome with the, the sorrow and meaninglessness in many ways of life under the sun, to want to like quickly get move on to something more happy. And it's okay to kind of just kind of uh, dwell there just a little bit and really realize, yes, this is, what, um, this is what life apart from Christ is like. And just kind of appreciate that. And that kind of puts things in perspective and it helps elevate our, our, our view to what will give us true meaning and purpose. All right, I've got, a, I've got a more technical theological question for you, especially Kent. Today was a difficult passage. Kyle alluded to it, how he, he researched several different godly uh, biblical scholars who came down from a different perspective on today's uh, passage. How do you, how, how, the way Kyle handled it today, uh, and you handle difficult passages all the time, how do you handle difficult passages? So first and foremost, uh, as a, a, a biblical interpreter and as an expositor or teacher, you have to be a reader. Um, you have to be immersed in Scripture, continually reading Scripture, meditating on Scripture. But as well, you have to read a lot of other you know, books. And so if, if I approach a, a very difficult text, oftentimes I'll do exactly what Kyle did. You saw that he had you know, the two different groups of commentators. One looked at it as a negative, one looked at it as a, as a positive. And so you've got contrasting views and in interpreting this verse in scripture. So myself as, as a Bible teacher, I'll do the same thing and I'll, I'll go to a, a, you know, a wealth of, of trusted expositors and see what they had to say about that text. And then I'll work through it and come to my own conclusion and my own decision. However, in order to be intellectually honest as a biblical teacher, what I'll do is I'll present both views or I'll present three different views. As long as these views are within the realm of orthodoxy and what you're teaching is not heresy, then you can present it and allow people to make up their own minds. Um, they don't always have to believe what I believe about a text, and, and that's okay, as long as what they believe is not heresy. You know, yes. if you cross that line of heresy, then we can have a conversation. Exactly. But um, there are certain biblical texts that are just super difficult to, to interpret. And ultimately, what we want people to do is we want people to think. We, we want you to walk away and be like, yes, that was challenging. Think through it. I've looked at texts that I interpreted you know, uh, eight years ago, and I thought I had an opinion on it eight years ago, but my mind has changed today, and that's okay. Yeah. And, and, and the, 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 the thing for especially folks just starting to read the Bible for the first time or just getting into theology, I, I want to just, for their sake, just like, don't let it shake your faith when there are difficult passages to interpret. The, the, the core teachings of the Bible, the holiness of God, our sinfulness, our need for Christ alone, mm -hmm. those foundational teachings of Christianity, those are clear. Those are crystal clear. And, and so, but appreciate that the Bible and, and all it says about human condition and God uh, it has some difficult passages. And just appreciate that and don't let that uh, shake your faith. Well, Matt, you're, you're taking seminary classes here. You're diving <laughs> in on the deep end. Anything to add there to interpreting difficult passages? I, I think I'll just reiterate what I said. I think that Kyle did such a great job of, of he laid out every, right. every Lay out piece of there. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, he also said he's right. And he made very convincing yeah. you know, yeah. arguments for it. And I, I just think that's the best way to, yes. to break down a passage like that that is not 
super clear, like you said, exactly what Solomon was trying to accomplish when he wrote that. And I know Kyle and I were talking a little bit about the passage this week, and I, one of the things I said was like, listen, if, if, you, if you, after meditating and praying, don't like fall neatly into either camp, just be honest about that. There's always mm. a biblical truth to be derived from even the difficult passages. As long as you, as I like to say, you, you hang on to what you know. You keep yourself grounded on, the, on Christ and, and mm. the, 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 the truths that are, you are very clear on Keep a hand on that when you're wading into the doctrines and the right. truths that are less clear. And that'll put you in good set. All right. I've got an artsy question for you. <laughs> as our resident uh, artistic So are my guy. skinny jeans. And, yeah, as well, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't, brother. <laughs> you know my philosophy on skinny jeans. But it's not wrong to feel. And uh, how can art, and especially music, help us express disenchantment with the world the way it is and also worship to God? Yeah, I, I think this passage, um, as you as you guys have said, it, it it describes the full range of the human experience. Um, but like a lot of art that we see in the secular world, uh, it, it, particularly with the the poem at the beginning of this passage, uh, he he kind of leaves it there. He doesn't he doesn't uh, you know bring in redemption at the end of the poem. It's just like this is. This is life. It kind of reminds me of you know some movies that I've seen, like a Christopher Nolan movie or something, where it just kind of like, just kind of blurts out, uh, you know, some some fact about life, and just leaves it there, and you're just kind of left to ponder what that is, uh, what that is all about. And I think that that um, the way Solomon, you know, breaks that down, it's just there's so much emotion. Like you said, emotion is not something that that we're running from mm -hmm. and the Bible is not just a, a, a list of facts about the, the world and there is you can tell that that Solomon was feeling mm -hmm. something when he wrote this now like we talked it could have been you know it could have been something like a joyful thing obviously Kyle mm -hmm. believes that it was more of a, a sorrowful uh, lament mm -hmm. uh, and you know regardless of, of how you want to interpret that you can tell that uh, Solomon felt deeply um, about what he was writing. There was a, a deep sense of, of uh, emotional turmoil mm. going on inside him. And I think that art just, just gives such an outlet for that. Solomon's father was, was kind of the, you know, the key artist of, yeah. you know, he wrote most of the Psalms. David, his father mm -hmm. David did. He was a warrior so, too. So he'd like, yes, yes. Yeah, he was a tough guy. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're talking about the, the son, yeah. the son of a man who who was both ends of the mm -hmm. spectrum. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, writing about his experience, someone who had had everything. Uh, you know, I, I've always liked the thought: the more you understand God, uh, the more it increases your capacity for uh, joy mm -hmm. and increases your capacity for sorrow. Mm -hmm. So it's just like it just it, it elevates yeah. and you know descends everything. All, all emotion, everything that you feel, you feel more deeply. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And I just think, yeah, that, that's just yeah. one of the lovely things about the way Solomon writes. I think we, as theologians, can get a little bit so analytical that we don't, we forget that like God meant us to feel. That's part of our being created in the image of God. We need to feel that. Now, there's always that danger is, is uh, the truth, the, our feelings should be governed by and, 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 and flow from the truth as, mm -hmm. that God has revealed. We should restrain uh, contain our emotions with the truth of God's word, and there's always that danger when we let our emotions overwhelm the truth and what we know is right and, mm -hmm. and what we know is we wrong. We have to recognize that because, like, if you're interpreting mm -hmm. an epistle, it's pretty crystal clear the message 
that's mm. coming across, but when you're in the wisdom literature and poetry, it's a different way of interpreting it. So you have to understand that mindset in order mm -hmm. to, to come away with the conclusion yeah. that the author was trying to get across. Yeah, like Kyle said, he's not, Solomon isn't prescribing yeah. anything yeah. in this passage. So you have to read it right. knowing that, you know, you can't just read it and say, well, this is what yeah. Solomon is telling so me to do. that means I can kill that guy I don't like. like yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. there's a time to kill. I think that's what this is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, exactly. Right. Now, so that's great. You, you, you talked about how art and especially music can allow us to express disenchantment and also praise for, for God. But then music itself can become the main thing at, or art. How can it also distract uh, from the truth or become an idol? Well, I, I think a lot of people see music. They don't see it this way, but it is used as a form of... Oh, they hear, sorry, yeah, see, see the, see the, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, hear musicians music. Musicians see it, right? Yeah, well, I see it. I, you know, when I'm playing, I, I see all of the like notes. The matrix, I see. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is, it can become a form of emotional manipulation. Mm -hmm. uh, that's something that, that we're very careful mm -hmm. with here when we sing songs, that we try not to do things that uh, affect people's emotions unnecessarily. It's something, if we're distracting from the message of the song, you could, I could sing anything. I could sing bir uh, that bird Turn song. Turn a minor key. Yeah, and yeah, like, and then just like cry while yeah. I'm singing it or, you know, yeah. something like that. Or, uh, and, and there's all kinds of things that we put on top of music to try and make it, you know, more emotionally uh, manipulative. Smoke. And, uh, yeah, yeah, smoke. Uh, well, literal smoke, and, and, and it is kind of a smoke and mirrors kind yeah. of thing. I didn't know if you meant figur figuratively. But, smoke machine. Uh, yeah. Uh, we did just purchase our smoke machine for good, the I'm good. just kidding. Kyle's going to kill me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, in the church, obviously, we have to be very careful of that. In the secular world, too, and, you, you know, everybody listens to secular music, and you have to be careful how you, um, how you let that mm -hmm. affect you and know that the truths that are you know, they might be true that, that uh, you know, you read Shakespeare. Um, I don't know if Shakespeare was a Christian. Yeah, it doesn't mean you should that. live like false Yeah, it doesn't mean you words. just look yeah. at that and say, well, just because it's beautiful and just because it displays some sort of truth that we have to, you know, live by it or, or, or you know, uh, bring it into Especially our... Especially if you know what his, probably his intended audience for the song it was. Anyway, sure. <laughs> I'll leave that out for you literature buffs out there. Yeah. Got it. yeah. Well, no, no, that was it. I, oh. just, I, I just really feel like, you know, Music has its place. Music and, and art and media and all of that has its place in in displaying truth. Mm -hmm. But only the Bible, only um, like the hymns that we sing at this church, those sorts. Of, I'm not putting those on the same level as the Bible, but the, those truths are um, are the kind that we need to take to heart. The other ones, and, and a lot like uh, Solomon's, uh, you know. Uh, poem that he writes there. There are things that we can know and understand, but it doesn't necessarily mean we're prescribing exactly. something you know, to yeah. live by. Like he said, God has put eternity in our hearts, so we shouldn't be shocked when even great secular, ungodly people in their art or in their music uh, speak elements of the truth. That's right. All you can only, is, you can all only, truth is God truth. Yeah, you can only suppress so much of the truth right. at a time. You mm. know. Excellent. Any, you want to jump on, on any of this artsy stuff? Or, uh, yeah. or you, you had some good thoughts there earlier. Yeah. No, I'm going to. Leave it there. Yeah. And it's so funny how my questions just came like very analytical, very artistic. Okay, great. One more. Uh, I love how I've become like the artsy guy. Yeah, well, I'm going well, to give an artsy answer to a theological Kyle question. And, and, you know, <laughs> come on, just consider the audience here. Um, Kent, how can we find Christ in any passage? So here, here's a very. Um, contested passage in the Old Testament before Christ, if, uh, his earthly ministry anyway. 
what are some wrong ways, uh, right ways to, to, to um, find Christ in any passage? Yeah, so um, Greg Gilbert co-wrote a book uh, with Mark Dever titled Preach, and one of the, the quotes that Greg said, and he said, uh, the Bible is like a river, and no matter where you jump in at, its, its end always ends at the cross. And so, you know, there, there's, this, there's this flow, this theological flow that's woven throughout Scripture, the, the meta-narrative meta of redemption history. And so, when you're looking at the Bible, when you're reading it, and, and there's some verses in Scripture, like, or you can look at some events in Scripture, like the Exodus, and, and you see it, you know, the, the Passover. You can, you can see Christ just leaping off of these pages. Get into Isaiah 53, you see Christ all over these pages. And so there's, there's certain times where it's not very difficult at all to extract Christ from that and to show um, him from the Old Testament text. And there's others that it's not so clear. So one of the practices that I have is to either scope in or scope out. So you can scope in on a certain word or a certain theme, a type, a shadow, a doctrine, an event, and you can see Christ. And there's other times when you're in some of these more um, just historical or wisdom or poetry, and you, you don't see him immediately leaping off the pages, and you have to scope out and look at where that text sits in terms of A, the meta narrative, B, the human experience. And I think that's what we got today. We saw a crystal clear example of the human experience talking about the, the, the vanity and the futility of life. And that's absolutely true. Like if you live your life and, and you do everything there is to be done under the sun and you die apart from Christ, it is absolute vanity and futility. So from that, how then do you connect the dots to get that, that gospel connection to Jesus Christ, and he did so, you know, showcasing the fact that he took winter for us, that he took the wrath of God that was reserved for us, and we know that he has gone to prepare a better place for us. Um, I'm glad that Kyle said there's going to be four seasons in heaven. I, I love winters. Yeah. <laughs> I was a New Englander, yeah. So Mary wasn't happy. She was shaking her head. She yeah. wants to be in, in Hawaii forever. Yeah. But, but, but she'll have a, a circulatory system in heaven that can cope with it, I'm e sure. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> she won't be cold in heaven. But that, that's just what I do, either scoping it or scoping out and understanding and recognizing that, that meta narrative of redemption history as it all leads to the cross. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, so many people get wedded to their herm hermeneutics, which is great, because uh, you do want to be careful how you handle any scripture. But again, you don't have to put theological blinders on and realize, you know, it, Christ is what makes, uh, as uh, the passage in the New Testament says, in him all promises of God are yes. yes. And he is yes, the amen. key, literally, that unlocks all the mysteries uh, of God. So that's how we want to preach uh, not just gospel-centered, but Christ-centered uh, messages mm -hmm. here. Uh, any things to add on this uh, great sermon from Ecclesiastes? No, that was Between phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Questions, great. Well, uh, Faith Family, I hope you find this time profitable. They, uh, you can hear rich, meaty sermons, and you can ask questions of it. Uh, you can grapple with the sermon. You can discuss it with uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, with your own family, and, uh, and really pick it apart and pull it just like you can from the Word of God. So we hope this is a helpful time. We love you, uh, and we're praying for you. Thank you for listening to this resource of Faith Family Church. We gather on Sundays at 495 Hugh Hunter Road in Oak Grove, Kentucky, and are a short drive from Fort Campbell and Hopkinsville, Kentucky, as well as Clarksville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website, myfaithfamilychurch.com.